I am going to start my sharing with you today by indicating a personal struggle I had this past week. And it happened right there. On Friday, several of us gathered here to look at some of the aspects of Jesus on the cross. It was a very meaningful time as I was able to read scripture for our group and reflect on the fact that Jesus was suffering and dying at that moment. And at the end of my reading, my personal struggle came in this way, and nobody else knew it, but I knew it, and I celebrated it, but it was still difficult. Because the last reading that I read from Scripture was that Jesus, in a loud voice, cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with that, he died. And I said, hesitantly and haughtily, uh, uncomfortably, I said to the folks gathered here, Jesus Christ is dead. That was my struggle. I had trouble getting that last word out of my mouth because standing right there and in my life and in my Christian faith I know he is not dead amen and I did not want to say that and except for the fact that that was a part of our reflection and a part of our intention for our time together on Friday noon, I said, Jesus Christ is dead. But now, I want you to smile. I'm looking at some smiles because y'all know what I'm going to say. Because Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. And I want you to focus on that and think about that and reflect on that and I want you and I to be thrilled about the very fact that even though we don't understand it how can that be it's never happened before it's never happened since but Jesus Christ the man Jesus Christ but the God Jesus Christ is alive now, as I like to do from time to time, I want us to be silent for a couple of minutes. I hope on this resurrection day, I pray that you've already thought, you've already focused, you've already meditated on the fact that our Savior is alive. But I'm not going to take that for granted. And so in this place, in this time of worship, with this beautiful music and all that we've already done, would you just take a couple of minutes, totally silent, no words from me, and just 
look at the living Christ and pray or think or meditate or look into his face, uh, be intimate with him, be passionate about your love for him, whatever you need and whatever would minister to you and your spirit right now. Would you please just take that time at this moment? Jesus, we come before you as your family. We thank you for being our Lord. We honor you. We worship you. You are worthy to be worshiped. Not just because of what you've done for us, but because of who you are. Almighty God, planner, designer, creator, and now Savior and Lord and Master and Teacher through the Holy Spirit and all that you are to us. And so we come before you this day with grateful hearts, with spirits uplifted in worship and in celebration of Resurrection Day. Help all of us to understand the absolute power and miracle of resurrection. Help us to see you leading the way. Help us to know, to live in the fact, to be thrilled about the fact that because you were resurrected, we will be resurrected. What a gift. And so we are quiet, but we are singing and we are shouting in our spirits and we are thrilled, we are excited, we are overwhelmed. We come in absolute amazement at who you are and then also what you have done and what you do right now this day and what you will continue to do as we walk on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we always pray in your wonderful name. Amen. We have had quite a week here at King's Grand Baptist Church. It has been a pleasure to be a part of it, to be involved in it, to lead some of it. This has been the Passion Week. That's what it's called. And I have asked on several occasions that we embrace totally the concept of passion. Passion and intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so today in the celebration of Resurrection Day, by the way, I will not throw the term Easter out, but I have said to you, I prefer Resurrection Day. It just does something that thrills me. Because it is fact and it is true. And so as we come here to this Resurrection Day, we continue in the passion and the, in, and the intimacy with Jesus Christ. And as I thought about what I would share with you today, I thought several different directions. And I thought, well, uh, can I do anything about explaining resurrection? Or can I do anything to defend the resurrection? Or can I debunk some of the the theories of fraud and consp conspiracy theories 
you realize that there are all sorts of statements and have been for years wandering around about this resurrection business that they stole the body from the grave or they played some trickery in order to deceive the people and the officials and the authorities. Well, that's not what the Bible says. <laughs> and hallelujah, we believe in the Bible. And the Bible is the authority for what takes place, has taken place, and even will take place. And so I am convinced and convicted that what I need to do is to continue the story. Because I love stories from Scripture. They are amazing and they are rich and full of all sorts of meaning. And we've already been through part of the story during this Passion Week about Jesus and his disciples. And one of the facts that we always see with Jesus is he is interested in you and me. He's interested in people. He is loving us with his behavior, with his sacrifice, with his words, with his teaching. And so what I'm going to do today is to take Jesus after the resurrection, after he encountered this fine young woman, Mary, at the tomb and other women and then Peter and John. And, and we're going to look at what Jesus did from Scripture after the resurrection because there are three or four very powerful parts of the story. And I hope you know them. But I'm going to remind you of them and talk about them for a little bit. But we're told in Scripture that there were two of Jesus' followers. Now, they were not part of the 11. Now, remember, Judas is gone. So there are now 11 apostles that are witnessing and a part of this whole experience. These two men were not part of that group, but there was a whole other group of followers of Jesus Christ. And these two men are now walking toward a little town called Emmaus. And they're talking about all that's happened the last two or three days. They're talking about the words and the rumors and the statements that are taking place. They're talking about the crucifixion. They're talking about the trial the night before the crucifixion. They're talking about it, and they're amazed with it, and they're hurting over it, and they're bewildered by the whole thing. And we're told that Jesus joins them in this walk, and they do not recognize him. Now, I don't know how to explain that. Maybe he had blinded their eyes. Maybe he was looking a bit different because now he is the living, resurrected Lord. But they did not recognize him. And so he walked up and said, what are you fellas talking about? And they sort of befuddled, say, looked at him and said, have you been visiting Jerusalem and you don't know what's been going on? And he said, uh, what, what's been going on? What things have been happening? And they said, well, it's about this prophet, this powerful man called Jesus Christ, who was a man of God before our Heavenly Father and before all of the people. And then the officials, the authorities of the land, particularly the Jewish people and the Roman government, they brought Jesus to trial. And they crucified him. 
and he was dead. And some of our people have now today heard that he was alive. Now, we're excited about that because we thought that he was going to lead us away from Roman rule and redeem the nation of Israel. But now he was dead, but now he's alive. We're confused. We don't know. And Jesus says those things that he says to you and me sometimes. How dull can you be? Do you not know what the scriptures have taught? That the Messiah was to suffer and then to go into his glory. And that is what's taking place. And with these two men, now scripture tells us that Jesus took them all the way back to the prophets through the Old Testament, all the way up to the present day and their time. And he told them everything that they needed to know about himself. Now, they still didn't recognize him. He's now to them just a, a powerful teacher. But they did not recognize him. But they're excited. And so they go on toward Emmaus. And Jesus is acting like, well, he's going on his trip. But these two men were thrilled to have Jesus in their company. And they persuaded him to stay. And he stayed with them, and they talked more. But then they sat down to have their evening meal. And Scripture tells us that Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, and they recognized him. I want you to think about that, because they had seen Jesus do that before. And now they saw the Lord. They saw Jesus Christ, the living Lord. And then not only did they see him, but Scripture tells us that then he disappeared from their sight. Supernaturally, he was gone. And these men quickly got up, went back to Jerusalem, and went into a room with the other 11 disciples. They're now gathered in this room. And... They're talking about all of this that happened. The men, the two men, are telling them what Jesus had done and all that he had said and all that he had taught them. And they were, again, bepuzzled by the whole thing, unaware, confused, just not sure of what's going on. And then Scripture tells us that Jesus was in the room behind and beyond the locked doors. Now, why were the doors locked? Because the people were afraid. The 11 apostles were fearful of what? They were afraid they were going to go to a cross. Now, think about that. They had just witnessed this brutal killing of Jesus Christ. And now these people were afraid, locking the doors. Didn't want anybody to know where they were. But now Jesus is standing in the room. And what does Jesus do? Thank you, but he looks at them and says, Peace be with you. Jesus took the role of an angel. How many times have angels said to the people in scriptures, Be at peace, peace be upon you. Well, now Jesus is saying, Peace be with you. And now they're talking to Jesus, and he looks at them, and he 
says it again. He says, peace be with you. In other words, you do not have to be afraid. Now, I've talked to you about that two or three times. Because what did Jesus do in John 14? He gave them the gift of peace. And he said, with my peace, you do not have to be afraid. Now he's looking at these frightened apostles, the 11 and the other followers of him. And he's saying, I know that you're afraid, but do not be afraid. Be, a, be at peace. And then he breathed on them. And what did they receive? They received the Holy Spirit. He told them that they could now minister in power because of the Holy Spirit. He's going to tell them that later as he's about to ascend into the heavens. But they also have one of their people that were not there. His name was Thomas. Now, poor fellow, he has a reputation that has followed him all of these years. You know him as Doubting Thomas. And the apostles said, we've seen the Lord. He's alive. And Thomas said, no way, I, I'm, not be, I'm not believing it at all. Only if I see the nail prints in his hands and put my hand into his side will I believe that he is alive. A few days later, Jesus, as he always does if we will seek him, he accommodated Thomas. And he met Thomas in this room that they had been meeting in. And he said, Thomas, come and look at my hand. Put your hand into my side. And Thomas said, oh, my Lord and my God, he believed. And Jesus was thankful for that. But there's a bit of a reprimand in this next statement. Because Jesus said, well, Thomas, since you've seen me and seen the marks in my hands and in my side, then you have believed. In other words, you had to have absolute proof to satisfy your mind. Please think about that because there's a lesson in that for you and me. But then Jesus said, blessed are those that have not seen and believe. You know who that is? Have any of us seen Jesus in physical aspect? Have any of us put our hands into his side? No. But we're here this morning because we believe. And Jesus said, blessed are you. Then Peter and the guys go fishing. Now, I guess that's a guy thing. But they go fishing. I don't know what's going on in their mind. Maybe they're frightened. They're scared to death. Maybe they're just overwhelmed by the tension of the whole few days. And they just want to get to the lake and fish for a little while. But then we're told that. There's a man standing on the side of the lake. And he says, hey, fellas, have y'all caught any fish? All night long. No fish, no fish, no fish. He said, throw your net to the other side. They throw the net to the other side, and they cannot even pull the net into the boat. It's so heavy. With 153 fish. Now, why did they count them? I don't know. But that's a lot of fish. And then John says... Peter, Peter, that's the Lord over there on the bank. And here's good old Peter. He immediately jumps into the water. Now, you remember earlier on, Peter's the one that walked on the water. But he had to look at Jesus Christ in order to walk on the water. 
because Peter couldn't do it, and you and I can't do it on our own. But Peter jumps into the water, swims. They take the boat toward Jesus, and when they get to the bank, here's the living Lord, the resurrected Jesus. He's got breakfast cooking for them. Now, what is Jesus doing with these two on the road and in the upper room and the giving peace? And now he's out by the lake helping these guys fish and, and cooking breakfast for them. What is he doing? He is saying he is alive. All right, he's saying he is alive. He is doing what he's always done. He's taken care of and he's ministered to people. That's what Jesus does and that's what you and I are to do. And then there's this beautiful, uh, one of my favorite things that Jesus did. Remember that guy, Peter? What was the last time that Jesus and Peter had talked? Jesus said, Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows in the morning. Three times. Peter said, no way, no way. I'm not going to do it. And we know that he did it. And he wept. Peter did. Because he was so ashamed. Three times. He said, no, I don't know the man. Third time he cussed and said, no, I don't know the man. Jesus. Now, Jesus sitting there beside the lake, he does something very powerful for Peter. He said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, yes, Lord, I love you. One time he did that. Jesus, the second time, said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Third time, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's kind of frustrated right now. That's a little touchy, but Peter gets that way. And he says, yes, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Three times. Now, what was Jesus doing? There is restoration and redemption in this great godly man named Peter. I believe had Jesus not done that, we may not have had Pentecost because Peter preached a sermon at Pentecost. 3,000 people were saved. And I think it's tied to Jesus restoring the spirit in this man, Peter. Jesus is alive and he's doing all this. One more thing. He meets with his disciples in the first chapter of Acts, we're told. And he tells them that they're about to receive power. Power from on high. Power from the Holy Spirit. And then they will be witnesses of him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus is giving them a commandment and a commission to go and tell people about me, he said. And then we're told that he ascends into the clouds. And now it's been 40 days since he died on the cross. But he has spent those 40 days with his people, showing them and showing you and I that he is alive. Now, when he went into the clouds, there were two angels standing there. Don't miss this 
climax point of the story. Because these two angels were watching, along with all of Jesus' people. And they said, why do you keep gazing into the sky? Because this Jesus that has now left you will come again in like manner. Jesus is coming again. The angel said that. Jesus said that in the 14th chapter of John. I've got to go away, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I am coming back. Are you aware that he's coming back? Are you excited about him, his coming back? Are you saying, oh, well, now just wait till I get this or get that or do this or do that? No. Please understand that when he comes back, there's absolute ultimate peace. He is going to give us the authentic, complete, total peace that we deserve, we need. And it will come from Jesus, the, the living and then the returning Lord and Savior and Master. Please, please think on these things and be excited about your Christian life. This is Resurrection Day. And Resurrection Day is the ultimate of hopefulness. Please pray with me for a moment. Lord Jesus, we are honoring you. You have given us, you continue to give us so much. We will love you. We will celebrate you. We will be with you. And we will thank you every day of our lives. We worship you. And we pray in your wonderful and holy name. Amen.